0: right now, over 800 churches are gathering who are asking the same fundamental question. Who is Jesus? For the last several weeks, we've been partnering with these churches and going through a series of foundational questions, not only to Christianity, but to life. Seven foundational questions that we believe are questions each of us need to take to heart and investigate and and explore. And right now, with over 800 churches throughout the Chicagoland area, we are looking at the question of who is Jesus, but even more specifically than that, is Jesus Really, God. Now, I grew up Christian. I've been a Christian as long as I can remember. My mom was a devout Christian and I lived with her. My dad was a lapsed Catholic, but he was supportive. I grew up going to church. I grew up in a Christian school, at least through eighth grade. And so for me, believing that Jesus was God was about as natural as could be. From the earliest time, we, we, we prayed to Jesus, we worshiped Jesus, we sang songs about Jesus, we heard stories about Jesus, particularly the stories of the miraculous and the power and the transcendence and the might. We had images and symbols of Jesus all over our home, and we'd wear them as jewelry, and we'd look at stained glass on Sundays that would show his majesty with the light kind of shining through, and all of this made believing in Jesus as natural as could be. And even those in my family who were not practicing, who in retrospect, you would say, well, I don't really know where they were with God. Even they were supportive of the idea that Jesus was God, even if it didn't interface in their life. It really wasn't until later High school. I think I would argue that I came to find that that view of Jesus is far from universal. I did an Amazon search this week, went to books, typed in Jesus. Over sixty thousand entries. It was almost like they got bored of counting. Exactly, they're like, we get this high. It's just it's over sixty thousand somewhere. Assuming that these sources aren't just blatantly plagiarizing one another. That means in Amazon alone, you can find over 60,000 unique perspectives on who Jesus is. Then I went to Google and I typed in Jesus. Want to take a guess on this one? 1.8 1.8 billion entries in 0.63 seconds. Now, let's just assume for a moment that 100 million of those refer to our Latino brothers named Jesus. Okay? <laughs> That's still 1.7 billion entries, perspectives, point as, points of view on who Jesus is. Is Jesus really God? Newsweek and the Washington Post got together and did a survey several years back. It was just before Christmas. Time and Newsweek, they always love to do special Jesus editions right before Christmas to kind of stir the pot. And they did this kind of man on the street kind of thing, something similar to the video that we just watched a little bit ago, asking people who they thought Jesus was really was. And I just want to share a few of the entries that they noted. Here's one. Jesus is real in the sense that he exists for those who want him to exist. Here's another. By today's standards, Jesus was a liberal. Another. Jesus was every man. His name could just as well have been Morris. Too bad he was in male form this time around. Better luck next time. (laughs) Here's this. I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe I am a son of God. Here's this. Jesus was an enlightened being. How about this? It's not even obvious that Jesus was a historical figure. If he was, the legends around him, a son of God who was born of a virgin, worked miracles and rose from the dead, were common stories in the ancient Near East, the myths about Jesus are not even original. Or, Jesus is about as real as Santa Claus, the tooth fairy, or King Arthur. Here's one. There is no separation or distinction between where God leaves off and where we begin. We are all one, all divine, just like Jesus. Let me share three more. Jesus was a man we should pity more than revile or worship. He suffered from what contemporary psychologists now know to be delusions of grandeur, bipolar disorder, and probably acute schizophrenia. Jesus is a fairy tale for grown-ups. Unfortunately, he's a fairy tale that leads people to bomb clinics, despise women, denigrate reason, and embrace greed. Finally, this person answers, Who is Jesus? He was an apocalyptic prophet who bet wrong and died as a result. He should be ignored, not celebrated. And then, of course, you could just look at the ways that people portray Jesus. We have bobblehead Jesus. We have Jesus as my homeboy. We have Che Guevara Jesus. We have the Rastafari Jesus. We have Asian Jesus. We even have Lego Jesus. We have creepy Jesus, (laughs) good-looking Jesus, and the Jesus who is not amused. Over 2,000 years later, there's not really a lot of consensus out there as to who Jesus is. Let me just highlight a couple of prominent examples recently. About a decade ago, The Da Vinci Code came out. Best seller. Millions of copies sold. Millions of dollars made at the box office. All around the story that Jesus was a mortal prophet who had secret knowledge and enlightenment, had kids with Mary Magdalene, and their descendants exist to this day. Harvard and George Mason University did a research project of university professors not too long back, asking the similar question of how university professors viewed Jesus. Let me read this quote. Over 50%, over 50% of college professors believe the Bible is an ancient book of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts. And what's fascinating is less than one-fifth of the population believes the same. But, you know, let's be honest. I think for all of us, there was a time when we really didn't understand fully who Jesus is. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, none of us even today can say we fully know him. That's actually the beauty of relationships. No one really ever fully knows another person. And so the beauty and the mystery and, yes, the difficulty of a relationship is often taking what we do know to help us navigate the unknowns. It's also the beauty and the complexity of faith. That we take the things that we see to help inform the things that are left unseen. And help us navigate the territory where we haven't witnessed things firsthand. But you know, with all this buzz out there about Jesus, it can lead, can't it, to the question of of, of actually saying, who really was he? And how can I know? It's led a lot of people to go, can anyone really know him at all? And yet, over two million people today look to Jesus and see him as something more than just an ordinary human being. And the question is, how did they come to that place and that realization? what i found is that it often takes laying some of our assumptions aside in simply letting the evidence take us where it will what did jesus say about himself what did he do what did other people say about him And you can actually find the earliest record to all three of these questions in this book that we call the Bible. So what I'm going to do right now is bombard you. I am going to bombard you with examples and passages. And I know this this might seem overwhelming to a degree, but believe me when I say that, what I'm about to share is only a slim Cross section, But what I want to do by bombarding you is to show you that what we say about Jesus is not based on just some outlier theory or some hidden little passage of obscurity somewhere, but it's testified to again and again and again. So with that being said, let's take a look and let's start here. Let's just look at some of the things that Jesus said about himself. I think of this one notable passage where he has his disciples gathered around him. And he says this to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he mandates them to go out and spread this message. And he says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he says this, surely I will be with you always, not to the end of my life, to the end of the age. That sounds like a megalomaniac, if you ask me. All authority In heaven and on earth has been given to you. Who claims such things? Obey everything I command you. The severest dictators and monarchs of our world history never even claimed obedience to that degree. And I will be with you always to the end of the age? No, I know people console themselves at funerals saying things like, well, they'll always be with you, which they always won't. They're not with you. They're in heaven and they're better there, but we say it anyway. But when he says it, he means it. It's just one example of something Jesus said about himself. I think of this other example where Jesus is violating the laws of God. And the religious leaders call him on it. And he goes, my father is working to this day and so I work on it too. And you know what they did? They picked up stones to kill him for the blasphemy that he just uttered. Because they understood what Jesus was saying I'm above the law. I'm above it. It comes from me. I master the law of God. Submitting to it (laughs) is not what I have to bring. No, God is at work in this universe and I'm at work too. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? I think of Jesus who says things like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God Except by me, and we hear this in church, and it's such a pious thing. But have you ever stopped and thought about what an what an outlandish thing that is to say? I'm the way to God, the way. You want to know what's true in this world? I have it. You want to live? You want life? It's found in me. No one comes to the Father except by me. It's just an example of things Jesus said about himself. I think when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and you will thrive. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Who is this guy? I think of the time when Jesus got into it with the religious leaders of his day over parentage, and they were accusing him of being the bastard son of some stonemason. And he goes, before our father Abraham existed, I am, I am, I am. What do you do with a man who claims to be God? God. And then I think about the things Jesus did. I think about this. That when he would teach, people of all stripes and varieties recognized something different in him. The phrase that you'll see repeated a lot goes something like this. That he taught as one who had authority. Not as one who was just here to explain the word of God, not just one who is here to bring clarity to things, not just one who is here to bring a set of interpretations to it, but one who wielded it with a mastery as though it came from him, that this one was different who had authority over the words, not subservience. I think of Jesus going to people, the one story where this, they, they bring this, this paralyzed man, they cut a hole through the roof to let him down because they want to be so near him. And he looks at him and he goes, your sins are forgiven. That doesn't sound like that big of a deal. Hit me in the face, I can go, hey man, don't worry about it, all forgiven, buddy, Right? We can forgive people who wrong us, but that's not what's going on in the story. He's claiming to forgive at a cosmic level. Not a personal affront, but all affronts against heaven and earth and all humanity. Who can forgive sins but God alone? The people asked. Uh huh. I think of the stories of Jesus casting out demons. The stories of Jesus exercising authority, not only just over the supernatural realm, but the natural realm as well. Stilling storms, multiplying food into the thousands, turning water into wine. I think of the stories of Jesus healing diseases and showing victory over death. John the Baptist, on one occasion, rotting in prison, sends his disciples to Jesus to go, Wait, is it really you? Are you the one that I think, that I hope, that I bet my life on that you are? And you know what Jesus says? You go back and tell John the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. And he demonstrated it all. He predicted his own death. Which isn't always hard to do in every situation. But he also predicted his resurrection to the day. And then when he finds himself at the hands of those who would kill him, he demonstrates the most sacrificial love imaginable in his place of utter degradation, torture, and shame, saying things like, Father, forgive them, as they spit in his face. For they know not what they do. And then he raises from the dead. Do we even really have to say anything more than that? Especially when it's by his own power. And then I think of what other people said about Jesus, too. I think of the witness of prophets and sages for thousands of years looking forward. To this one who would come. That when you see Jesus, you see it coming to life and fulfillment in him. I think of John the Baptist, that sage, that seer, that prophet of old, crying, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I think of the demons, when Jesus would cast them out, saying, why do you bother us? We know that you are the Son of God. I think of Roman soldiers and pagans standing by his cross when they're at his worst saying, surely this man was the son of God. I think of God himself opening heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then I think of what people said about him after he rose from the dead. I think of a man named Paul who hated Jesus and everything he stood for and saw him as nothing but a heretic and a threat and an offense to God who meets him face to face after his death and resurrection, whose life is radically changed forever, who writes things like this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, authorities, all things are created by him and for him, and by him all things have their being. I think of the same Paul writing from prison, coming to the end of his life, writing your attitude should be the same as Lord Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, and being found in human likeness, went the way of death. But then resurrection. I think of the writer to the Hebrews saying the Son is the manifestation of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. I think of Thomas, you know him by his first name, Doubting, one of those first disciples that were following Jesus who knew Him better than anyone who didn't see Him rise from the dead. But then the others come saying, You got to check this out. And He's like, You're out of your mind. And then he sees Jesus, and Jesus is like, Touch my hands, it's me. Put your hand in my side, it's me, which is really gross, isn't it? But sometimes you just need to touch and feel. And I think of Thomas there in that place with the scales falling from his eyes, going, My Lord and my God. And then there's history. There's history the thousands, the millions, the billions of people who have testified to him since. I want to read a couple quotes to you today. This one's from Peter Kreeft. It's insightful, I think. Why did thousands suffer torture and death for this lie if they knew it was a lie? What force sent Christians to the lion's den with, den with hymns on their lips? What lie ever transformed the world like that? Or this by Thomas Aquinas If the incarnation did not really happen, then an even more unbelievable miracle happened. The conversion of the world by the biggest lie in history and the moral transformation of lives into unselfishness, detachment from worldly pleasures, and radically new heights of holiness by a mere myth. But it's not important what other people say about Jesus. Not nearly as important as this. What do you say about him? When you think about him, how do you answer the question, who is he? Really? Just a moral teacher? A prophet? An example or a sage? Or something far more? The famous atheist turned Christian and prolific writer of the Christian faith, C.S. Lewis, to me, sums up the options beautifully. Follow me with this quote, if you will. He writes, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic, on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God Or else a madman. Or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. No great moral teacher motivated by a sentimental view of love, could ever say the things Jesus said if they were not true and could never command his followers to do the things that he commanded them to if he were not true. It just isn't an option on the table. I've come to the conclusion, in my own life. Not just because I was brought up in it, but because of what I'd come to see later, that I believe Jesus is God. That Jesus is who he says he is. And I've come to accept that and believe that. But I also know that just because I've come to accept that and believe that, that that doesn't mean the same is true for you. And I would even argue that just because I accept and believe it, that doesn't mean that you should too. Because as far as logic will take us and as far as evidence will take us about seeing who Jesus really is, I've also come to see that at some level, God has to reveal it. That at some level, logic and evidence take you so far. But at some point, God has to reveal it to you. And I believe he does. And I believe he will. And I believe for that reason, Answering the question, who is Jesus, is something that you fundamentally have to do and nobody can do it for you. And I want to really encourage you to because the answer to that question is so important. There are thousands of crazy ideas out there About who Jesus is. I believe that what he said about himself is the best approach. The very Son of God himself, who has come down to restore creation and to restore you into relationship with God again.